my wife and I are sensing that uh, the Lord wants to heal some people that are dealing with some brokenheartedness. So uh, if that pertains to you, um, get ready because you're about ready to get set free. And I feel like I, the angle we're to take is that she brought that up. She had, her, she had that anointing on her for it. And I had that earlier. And she didn't know what I'm going to preach on. But uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. I've been away a little while. Brought in great guest speakers. One from the Philippines. One from France. One who's moving to Scotland. Pastor Rick Hufton. So they're all international. All international. And uh, they're nations people. Everybody say nations. I'm all about that. I've been all about that for years. And I believe that the nations are just a drop in the bucket. Yemen, cutter or guitar or whatever they call it. <laughs> the nations all around about, you know, the Ukraine and all the nations of the world. Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, all those places. The Lord has a, a witness for each of the nations. And uh, I want to go to Isaiah 61, and I want to read the beginning of it. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Everybody say anointed. We're going to get back to that with some definition, but Jesus actually took these verses from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and at the very beginning of his ministry, earthly ministry, he read these verses which articulate who he is, what he's sent to do, how he's sent to do it, the Holy Spirit being upon him, and something called the anointing. Now, I've been teaching, and we had a little break for our family vacation, but I'm back, and 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant, or uninformed, misinformed, or ill-informed. So God wants us to be, it's an informa the information age is upon us, and he wants us to be clear about who Jesus is and what he has come to supply to us. And so getting with Isaiah 61, Jesus quoted this, and Jesus read this. This is the mandate that's on his life as the head of the church, and can I tell you that as it is with the head of the church, so it is with the body of Christ, right? And I, since I'm not a cessationist, believing that these things uh, had a, their day and now they're gone, I believe these gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and these things are still available for today. So I found a new word. Uh, I'm a continuationist, uh, and which is fine with me. So the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There it is. This is what's going to happen tonight. To proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners. See, some of you that your default pathway is into anxiety, that's got to stop. We're going to have to believe God to help you get off of that, to get stronger and more confident. And uh, you may want to also not binge watch the news cycle so much. And you need to binge watch the good news cycle right here, okay? Not, not that we're in denial about the things around us. We should be civically aware and actually be very astute on what's going on. But more so with the great, wonderful word of God. 
and uh, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise, or the mantle, yeah, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Can you imagine that? He gives power to the faint. They that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. You could go have gone through some things, been disappointed. Somebody said something harsh to you. You disappointed yourself. You failed in some area. Then you come in before the presence of the Lord. You enter into corporate praise and worship. Something interesting takes place. He gives you the oil of gladness instead of the spirit of heaviness. There's a trade-off. And we come in singing. We enter in with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And it works. And God sets only things, the only things, he, all, he only does wondrous things. His stuff always has results. He, he, he does it. He's perfect. He's beautiful in everything he does, right? So uh, to bring good news to the, to the humble. See, people need to learn to receive and be humble and listen. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. There are so many broken hearts on my wife's phone, the news, the news uh, prompt came on, and it was talking about how uh, depressed young people are right now. And I remembered when I was a teenager, felt very similar. It seems like there's some parallels. But due to the fast-paced changes, you know, wars, rumors of wars and that kind of thing, the ecology and the things they're all concerned about, fuel shortages, water supplies, all those types of things, nation against nation. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's good to know that he came to bind up the brokenhearted. Remember that famous, uh, in, the, in the, uh, the email, church email, I mentioned uh, Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. Remember he was a, what was he, I guess a soft-boiled egg with legs and arms and a face. That's trippy right there. Now, some of you say, well, Pastor Jeff, is this sound doctrine? Is there really a Humpty Dumpty? No, this is a story. That's an example. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. He fell down and cracked into a million pieces. And humanity has fallen down and cracked into a million pieces. But only Jesus can bring and bind up the brokenhearted, bring recovery and uh, freedom Proclaim release to captives, freedom to prisoners. Proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all who mourn. Come on. And uh, there's a famous verse in Isaiah 10, 27. We don't have to turn to it. But it says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, I'm using that verse right in the context of Humpty Dumpty. So I want to tell you, it's not Y-O-L-K, it's Y-O-K-E. So it's not egg yolk, all right? Are you guys still with me? Because what I'm teaching you is about the power of the Holy Spirit, and the phrase is called the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. And that, you know, you've heard in films, you know, oh, anointed one. We're not worthy, anointed one, you know. Uh, and it's, it's a word of, of veneration and esteem, but actually the anointing was on Jesus and then he's transferred that anointing, that empowerment, that enablement, that saturation of himself upon us and in us and through us. 
so that we can go forth and make a difference in the world we're in. I want to say hallelujah. I want to say amen. Because amen means so be it. And hallelujah means, God, you're worthy of praise. I praise you. And um, so the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Who's ever heard that phrase? Ministers love to share that because they're, they're aware of this tangible uh, equipping from God called the anointing. And uh, I want to tell you, it's not uh, exclusive or elusive. It's not elitist. Because in the, in the biblical days, you could see occasionally the anointing of God coming upon a, a, a woman or a man or a king or a, 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 in the case of Elijah the prophet, he outran a chariot. You know, you could see extraordinary things come as a result of the anointing. Um, but then in the New Testament, there's such an amazing... Uh, the Bible says it's a new covenant inaugurated on better promises. A better covenant. I mean, all the other covenants are fantastic, but this is better? Better because he said he would pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And he said your sons and your daughters and your handmaidens and bondservants and old and young, you know, it is proliferated throughout and available to all. And we're not to be ignorant concerning the things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to tell you, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you have any idea how anointed you are? I'll ask it again. This may be peculiar to some of you. I mean, I already was talking about Humpty Dumpty, and so you're like, What? Do you have any idea how anointed you are? I mean, I'm not exhorting you to become prideful. I'm not exhorting you to become mystical. I'm not exhorting you to become hyped up. I'm not, ex uh, I'm not exhorting you to be self-absorbed like I'm so important. I'm God's gift to humanity. Yet, if you in a humble way understand... You have gifts in you, and God is deploying you in this world, and he wants signs and wonders to follow you. He does want your prayers to, be, uh, to avail much. He does want your kids to turn out serving God. He does want a youth revival. He does want a harvest amongst the lost and a revival in the church. He does. He does want bodies to be healed. He wants cancer cells to die and good cells to live livers and kidneys and lungs and female parts and, pr and prostate glands and all that stuff, breast tissue and ovaries and all that stuff by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the songs that the worship leaders were singing, I was taking note of the songs and the words and we're declaring how good our God is, how merciful our God is, how patient he is toward us, how he invites us in and we don't have a sense of condemnation or guilt anymore. He's cleansed us, he's forgiven us, and he's, he's, he's called us out of darkness to show forth this marvelous light. Now listen to what Dick Mills said. 
in his devotional. He said, the, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. He said, the thought expressed is that the Holy Spirit's empowering of our lives turns the dull, drab, routine existence into an invigorating, exciting, exhilarating experience. I found that to be the case. Everywhere I go, opportunities are afforded me. And uh, conversations are created. And uh, God is just wanting to interface with and interact with and connect broken, detached people to him. And you are the bridge builders. The Bible calls you in Isaiah those that stand in the gap and make up a hedge. Let's look back at Isaiah 61. Because after he talks about a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, then he starts saying, after all this stuff gets on you and all this anointing gets on you and the yokes are broken off your life, then you start to become something. Look what it says here in Isaiah. It says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness. Those who are disheveled, broken sinners, groveling in life. Those who are like, tumbleweeds with no roots being just blown by the circumstances of the world now are rooted and anchored and are oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord that he may be glorified i'm preaching so you understand this and when i say do you know how anointed you are it's that he will be glorified it's not so we can develop a culture in the church where there's a pecking order and like the Pharisees and the scribes who love to pray in front of each other. None of that. We don't practice our righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And yet we don't bury the truth under a bushel basket and under a bed. We let our light so shine before men that he may, they may see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. Come on. He says, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Then, look they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. You know, when we went to Kosovo, it was 1999. We had already had good experience with, the, with crisis and disasters because of the, flood of 90, the great flood of 93. So when we went to the war zone, we saw how they carpet bombed and they blew up bridges and, and they just buildings were blown up and, you know, whole male populations of villages were were wiped out it was it was terrible but yet god called us to rebuild the ancient ruins raise up the former devastations literally in that case put roofs back over their heads you know and and in the case of the flood go into the buildings that were destroyed and clean them up and give them hope and help to get back on their feet but you know that <laughs> Those are tangible, physical things that, that you do. Uh, but, man, you could just go into a person's life. And it's like they had a Kosovo War. It's like they had a great flood of 93. When Katrina hit, and I was rallying the church, I had to be sensitive to the local church flow as we were getting ready to make huge commitment all the way down there in Louisiana. And I, God, it occurred to me, you know, people have Katrinas every day. And he wanted me, he wanted to predicate the situation and he wanted to clarify to me, look, you know, remember, you're, 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 don't divert all your energies off onto this one thing. See, Jesus would come into a village and he'd heal the sick, he'd cast out demons, he'd teach, all at the same time. 
And it's not multitasking, it's just flowing. And the anointing will cause you to flow and understand your life better. The anointing will get on you going forward from here and help you to operate in the office of a grandmother or the office of a retiree or the office of a doctor or the office of a, a what, whatever you're called to be. And wherever you go, you're a carrier of the presence of God. Engineers, creative people. Uh, uh, you're working on an assembly line and you, you know, you're, you're an important part of the process. You're an important, you're an indicator that there is a God and his hand is on you. And all the title and all the particular sophistication layers that society deems of virtue really don't matter. What really matters is, am I flowing with God? Have I been born again? Have I embraced the fullness of his spirit? Am I standing on his promises? Because since I am, I'm going to see devastations restored. That wherever I go, when Peter would go into a village, people would get in his shadow and they'd get healed. And that's interesting because he was an insecure man. So now he's so strong in the Lord, strengthened by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that he's boldly going out, in, in, in not in his own power, not in his own personality, but with the grace of God, and people are getting healed in his shadow. He's finding, my, my wife told me, we, we preached in Holland, and T.L. Osborne arranged for me to speak at his big, giant meeting, and I had this amazing lady interpreter. When I got down on my knees, she got down on her knees. And she just, she, when I flailed my arms, she flailed her arms. And my wife reminded me that a whole bunch of gypsies had come to the meeting, and that there were notable miracles. I forgot until she told me just a couple days ago. I said, wait, what happened? And people were getting healed. So that would have been in my shadow because I didn't orchestrate or coordinate it. I don't really remember what happened. But they got healed. They came up on the stage and they, were be, they had been, uh, you know, lame and these things. That was, it was fascinating. It was like, wow. You know, that wasn't of my manufacture, right? In fact, none of the good stuff in our lives is. When we abide in him, the, the husbandman, and the, the, the vine, we're tapped in as branches, and we're full of sap and very green. It says in Psalm 92, look at somebody next to you and say, you're full of sap. And very green. In Psalm 1, it says that, that you're, plant, you're the planting of the Lord, and, and your leaves never wither. Your leaves never wither. I was at, a, I was at the gym with a 73-year-old man. And he was working out, working hard, rolling his eyes and kind of complaining about it facetiously. But he said, you know, I'm 73. And I said, well, 70 is a new 40. And he said, good luck with blank, blank, blank. And it was like, <laughs> and, you know, and my, my son and the other trainer thought that was funny. And then, so then, and then he, he said, uh, you know, most of my friends, they're dead. That's what he said. And the rest of them, they're all like, can't get up. And he's heading out to go back to work for three months at a place and go work and work a lot of hours. And so he, he was strengthening his muscles. Uh, you know, a guy in the church, Al, Al gave me a T-shirt that said it had, the, it had Noah's Ark on it. And he said, um, keep yourself in, in, self in shape. 
Because when you're old, God might have you do some big things. And uh, so um, I, I feel um, like I want to encourage you to facilitate the anointing, to even just understand what it is. See, he said, uh, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant or ill-informed concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Now, as far as generally the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, his empowerment, he'll turn a boring life into a, a really interesting adventure. Prayer with the anointing can change from lifeless formality to energized petition by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Song services, like we just had, uh, looked upon as a preliminary, quote, warmer up, unquote, can become exciting worship to the Lord by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what we endeavor to do. We're not just singers of songs. We're worshipers of God. And when the anointing comes in, it, it leads to other things. Like my wife came up to me with tears and said, I feel like God wants to minister to the brokenhearted. I thought, well, that's interesting because that's my starter verse on how he wants to minister to the brokenhearted, bind up the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds. We've all had that. We've all had brokenheartedness. But because we're not here to commiserate and because we're not whiners, we, kept, we press on. But given the fact that the Bible says he binds up the brokenhearted on the occasions when that's the case... Isn't it good to know he'll fix it? <laughs> Woo! Preaching that is monotonous and boring can become alive and stimulating by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Good morning, class. The anointing changes things. Witnessing that is dreary, drab, drudgery performed out of a compulsion and guilt can easily become electrified by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. With this anointing upon us, you and I can face the future with confidence, expecting that our circumstances are not going to keep us in bondage. Isaiah 58, 6, the Lord says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, that you break every yoke? The anointing of the Holy Spirit on our lives not only will break the yoke that is intended to keep us in bondage, but will also enable us to reach out to others and break the yokes that are keeping them in personal subjection. <laughs> Psalm ninety two ten says that you and I will be anointed with fresh oil. Say fresh oil. Our God refreshes us so we can refresh others. He invigorates us so we can invigorate others. He strengthens us so we can strengthen others. He liberates us so we can liberate others. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the invigorating, refreshing, anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, Jesus, he is the master the, the one that's given and poured out this anointing. He said he'll baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I want to remind you, number one, God created you and me in his image for his purposes, and he gave us dominion and authority. 
Adam's first, one of his first responsibilities, he named all of the animals, and there are a lot of them. And uh, yet, unfortunately, because of the fall, Jesus came to save us from our sins and to make us brand new creations. So God created the, the heavens and the earth, and then Jesus comes to make us a new creation. That's what true Christianity is. See, it's not Protestant or Catholic. It's not this or that. It's not denomination or non-denomination. It's you must be born again. And when you are, the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit is sent to help us and empower us uh, to be able to uh, reign as kings in this life. In, in, in Romans 5.17, it says that we reign as kings in this life. Last week, the, the, our French uh, pastor, she said, um, am I speaking to a reigning church? And, you know, you could, it's like, what? And, and, she's, and the answer is yes. We rule and reign. We're seated in Christ in heavenly places, far above the principalities of powers. He's made his enemies our footstool under our feet. You know, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, my God will cause things to work together for good. He always leads us in triumph. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. So I'm excited about the anointing, breaking bondages over cities, over regions. The French people, they hadn't been here since 2017. And they said they feel love when they come to our city. They start to cry. They sense the love of God. Now, on the other hand, when they fly into certain parts of where they live in France, they sense oppression and heaviness. I remember I visited my brother in Germany. And he was picking me up from the Frankfurt airport and driving me to the area where he lived. And I was up on the front seat, and he was in the driver's seat. And all of a sudden, I started to pray in the Spirit. I started coming against him, binding and loosing. And he, and he got in agreement with me for a while. And then he, after we it subsided, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, what just happened to you? What would you say? I said, man, I just got prompted at this point. He said, we, that was precisely the county line of this place that's notorious in this area of Germany for oppression. Well, we picked it up. Well, going and preaching to the, uh, the Writers Guild Theater, every time we flew into Los Angeles, I felt like I was going into Babylon or something. And it was like, uh, it was hard to prepare. It was hard to pray through. It was, I mean, I'd get in there to preach, and I'd be like, uh, and, and uh, because uh, it's like in the words of Ed Fosna, it's like plowing through concrete. That was the way it was in Kosovo. 97% Muslim, former, you know, Eastern Bloc nation. Um, you know, they need a revelation of Jesus. Because when people come to know Jesus, what's not to like about him? He is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. He is faithful. He didn't come to make us religionists. He came to liberate us and to... Equip us with something called the anointing. Do you have any idea how anointed you are? See, uh, all born-again believers have anointing on their lives. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is equipping. That is absolutely amazing for us to fulfill the work God's called us to do. In fact, I want to, I'm winding down now, but I want to go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and I want to look at a couple of verses. Verse 18, it says, Children, it's the last hour. 
And just as you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. There's an Antichrist, anti... Now, you know, Christ, Christos is the Greek word for Mashiach, Messiah, it's, it's, but it's also the anointing. So there's an anti-anointing. Like we don't, uh, you know, we're humanists. We don't need God. We don't need God's principles. We don't need the Judeo-Christian model. It's just a book. They dismiss it. There's no God because there's no God. We have to do it on our own power. You, you religious people or have a crutch. We feel sorry for you. We'll try to be nice to you, you, you lemmings, and we'll try to walk you through it, you, you dummies. That's the mentality of it. And yet, the fool says in his heart there is no God. That's foolish. That's, that's knucklehead. And uh, because, you know, creation declares the glory of God. And um, he is so good. He's so good. But he says, now realize, you know, there's a lot of hard stuff going on. It's the last hour. And, and they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it w- would be shown that they all are not of us. So this was in the time of the early church. There was contrast and there were people that were walking away from the faith. There was issues going on. And then he says in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. That's a breathtaking verse, if you understand it. But you have an anointing. LaDonna, you have an anointing. Jessica, you have an anointing. David, you have an anointing. that, That you'll know. You know, um, you'll know what to do. Bankers, investors, you, you, can, you can tap into the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Married people may be having some conflict. You could call on the anointing to come on your marriage. Call on the anointing to come on your parenthood. Call on the anointing when you're in a tough conversation. The anointing, one of my friends Mark Hankins, he said, the anointing has a life of its own. And uh, it, it just has a way about itself. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing element. It's a provision. It's the power, the tangible power of the supernatural God that he implements his ways with. There's a healing anointing to get sick people healed. There's an anointing to drive out, cast out demons. There's anointing to preach the gospel. There's anointing to make all kinds of business decisions. There's an anointing to be a husband or to be a wife. There's an anointing that, that's available. When I was between working at a church and preparing to start this church, I would be mowing my lawn with my little five-year-old son on my lap, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come on me, and I couldn't figure out why. Because I was used to the anointing coming on me for ministry. And I was, I was beginning in ministry. I was about eight years into ministry at that point. And um, I understood some proficiencies with it. But why would the anointing come on me while I'm mowing the lawn with my five-year-old son? Just because God loves me. Just because he wanted to just impact me with his presence. Just because he wanted to let me know, look, don't put me in a box. Don't limit me just to a conference or a teaching service or an evangelistic revival or a, or a, a you know, realize that I'm with you 24-7, 365. 
I'm with you in high times and in hard times. I'm with you in trouble. I'm with you when you feel flat and cold. I'm still on fire and I'm still fervent. You know, you, I never change. And uh, society fluctuates, but my kingdom will always be so- solid, right? So <clears throat> then you, you look down here in verse 27, and it says, As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Do you realize how anointed you are? Do you realize how much God's hand is on your life? When you're driving to work and you're going through the routine of life, It's like what Dick Mills said, it'll take dull routine and put an effervescent fizz in it. Oh, hallelujah. You know, they ask in the restaurant, posh restaurant, sparkling or still? I would say spirit-filled believers, we need to be still and know that he's God, but then we get bubbles. We have to tell our grandkids, don't open that. What You know, you just drop that kid. Don't open it. Psh, you know, uh, but I say the Lord's wanting us to open up and, you know, not just splash on people obnoxiously, but just being aware that God has called us out of darkness to show forth his marvelous light. But, you know, the devil pounds on people. And I like another thing Dick Mills said that God rarely extracts healers out of the ranks of the unscarred. Let me say that again. God rarely extracts healers out of the ranks of the unscarred. People, listen. Joseph had a dysfunctional mess situation that he had to overcome. And he came out of it, and God used him in a mighty, mighty way. We talk about him to this day. Jews venerate him. Christians venerate him. Because he connected with God. And the reality is, he was anointed. Moses was anointed. The early church was anointed. The end time church is anointed. The anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing blasts and breaks hindrances. Prayer groups can pray. Church, we could pray. And it can change the, not just the complexion, not just the surface but the whole atmosphere of a region. Whole regions can come out of darkness and come into the light. Whole age brackets, whole people groups. There are people groups on the earth, like the Nigerians. God has moved mightily amongst them. There are 237 million Nigerians. One out of three Africans are Nigerian. And man... God is moving amongst that people group. And I suppose it's because in the past, prayer people that had the anointing on them believed God and pastors that stood their ground on the word and over the decades and centuries. And, and, and it's, it's caught. It's caught. It's caught on. And I believe that could happen in America, the United States of America. I believe that could happen in Mexico and Canada. I believe that could happen in Guatemala and Costa Rica and Belize and all the cities and states and uh, El Salvador. You know what that means? The Savior. 
El Salvador. I'm from El Salvador. My name is Jesus. I'm from El Salvador. That'd be cool, man. If you're Jesus from El Salvador, that'll preach, man. Better than being Humpty Dumpty. Say this with me. I have an anointing from the Holy One. I'm anointed. See, we're anointed with fresh oil. He, he said we're anointed with gladness. Jesus was anointed with gladness above his fellows, meaning he had such privy inside information that he had a joy level that was higher than everybody else's because he knew the end from the beginning. He, he knew God was going to see him through. Does that make sense? So everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. In your daily life, I want to see uh, exhilaration and joy and opportunities. How many of you would be interested in, in your life through the days having some, some opportunities to be a blessing to other people? Now, some of you are going through such battle. You know, it's interesting. God's called upon me to lead during times when I was in personal suffering. And it was because it was like, hey, don't wait around for an ideal situation because if you do, it'll never happen. Right? So since we know it's a fallen world, and I think Pastor Rick Huff to talk something about this on Sunday, about just the battles and overcoming and just it is what it is, and I'm going to just go through my process. But in order that I'll go through my process, land on my feet, because he always causes me to triumph, right? So we're not in denial about the problems, but we're not going to sit there and, and just foment and stew on them forever. We realize they're there. We don't ignore them. In fact, we look at them like, not, not necessarily badges, but they are um, elements of, of credibility. You say, well, I've been through some. Th- How many of you have been through some things? How about over here? How many of you have been through some things? For real. But here you are. There you are. Just as I am. And you, you've got this blessed assurance on the inside of you in the midst of all that conflict. And you've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yokes of bondage. So wherever you live, are you in Webster or Kirkwood? Kirkwood? Yeah. And, and who lives in Chesterfield? Who lives in Wildwood? Who lives in St. Charles? Who lives in Illinois? Uh, everywhere you go, we trust God. Every place on which the sole of our feet tread, God's given us the land. School teachers, believe God. For an impact on your students. Young people from a broken home situation. Just factor it into your life. It is what it is. You're, not, you're no longer an idealist, but you're also not a victim. Because you look at it and go, man, it is what it is. That's what I, that was my deal. So I'm just going to press on now. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which lie behind. See, for me as a pastor, I not only have to forget the pains and the hurts and the disappointments, my own failings or the hurts from others, I've got to even forget systems and models that worked before in order that I can embrace the systems and models that are going to work now and in the future. Because this is not a formulaic movement. This is a person-based movement. It's not a principles and formulaic-based movement. So we've got to 
keep our eyes on. That's why I love worship. And they've been inviting us to come up to the altar. And I counted it. It's about eight feet deep right here. So practically all of us could get up here and just present ourselves on the altar and worship God and connect with God and, and, and get over it. Everybody say, get over it. We get over it. We forget what lies behind. We lay aside the, the regrets. And, when, you know, I'm seeing some patterns in my life, and I just, I'm, I want to fast and pray. In fact, you know, when Mills was quoting out of Isaiah 58, I'm going to call the church to some fasting and prayer. Um, and and uh, so fast media, fast your cell phone, fast chocolate, fast, you know, ice cream. There I said it. Now I got to do it. But fast for a few days. Seek the Lord and get a breakthrough. Pastor Jensen Franklin from, uh, where is he, in Georgia? He, uh, he's, he's good with that. He, he's got a good book about that, about fasting. It'll, it'll encourage you uh, to get a breakthrough because uh, that's what we're talking about, and that's what we're believing for, that there will be the healing of broken hearts. There will be the recovery and uh, we're going forth with confidence. We're going forth with joy. How many of you, 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 that resonates with you? You believe that? How many of you are believing for some breakthrough? You got some area in your life. You say, man, I could use some breakthrough in some area of my life. Well, now, how many of you would say, um, by putting your hand on your heart, uh, I'm going to receive healing from brokenheartedness? Okay, there's a lot of you. Okay. Now, didn't the Bible say that Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted? Well, what does bind up mean? Tie it all back together. Stitch it back up. Set the bones. Get it working. Right? (laughs) When I had that boat wreck, my, my ribs were cracked and my sternum was broken. It was all like jiggly where it shouldn't be. But it's it fused back together. And now it's like, you know... You could run into me with a pickup truck right there, and I'll just stand there and go, what? (laughs) Seriously. I broke this arm in high school. My brother's my witness. From right up here below the joint all the way down to here in a long, long diagonal, full break. It wasn't a fracture. It was all the way cut through, and it was about a quarter of an inch gap. And they couldn't put it in a cast, so they just wrapped it around really tight. And uh, I had to spend the whole summer trying to keep from moving. Uh, I, I can't tell you the pain level when I jumped into the swimming pool and it jerked. Uh, that was bad. <clears throat> but that, that deal is, that is, you know, the strongest part of a car is the quarter, the, the quarter panel right, up, right there in the corner. And that's, my, that's Pastor Jeff's quarter panel right there. So in the boating accident, that's what took the full brunt I, when I was lunged forward in that wreck, when they hit that big old boulder, and that's what took most of the, and my, my wife could tell you, it was all bloated and swollen. They, they'd x-rayed it because they thought it was broken, but it had already been broken. Now, it broke whatever it hit. They had to get rid of that boat. You should have seen the boat. They thought I would be beheaded where I was sitting. So there's a whole deal there, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus, that you heal the brokenhearted. Recovery. Speedy recovery. 
thorough recovery. I believe I receive breakthrough because of the anointing. Yokes are broken. Bondages are broken. And victory comes in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want uh, Mr. Worley to stand up. It's his 21st birthday today. And I want him to stand up. We want to sing happy birthday to you. It's 21. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, dear Avery. Happy birthday to you. He's one of the most faithful members in our church. He's here as much as I am. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I started with a question, so I'm going to ask you, do you have any idea how anointed you are? You're anointed to be a servant of God. You're anointed to accomplish, identify and accomplish the things God's called you to do. You're anointed to push past the oppression. You're anointed to pray when you see others stuck in a ditch or making a wrong choice and going into the magnetic pull of temptation. There's a story about a woman whose adult son had an alcohol problem. And uh, in about middle of the night, she was already in bed asleep. She woke up. He was out gallivanting around. She knelt down on her knees in her dimly lit living room and prayed through, prayed for him. Well, he came home and he went to bed and he, 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 he got up the next morning and he said, Mom, what were you doing about 1230 at night? She said, I was praying for you. He said, well, let me explain something that happened. I was getting tempted. I was right at the entrance of the saloon. I had my hands on both doors. I was ready to push my win and go get hammered. And he said, but something helped me. Something stopped me. I was able to turn around and just come home sober and get a victory. And uh, the anointing, everybody say the anointing breaks the yoke. See a church like this, people like us, cooperating with the God we serve, we could get some things done. And just trusting God for it, just believing for it. You guys have a song? Is there a song? It'd be great to just use our faith. Now, you guys, you know, I didn't feel led to call you up to pray over you. I felt like you needed to lay your own hand on your heart because it's a process, but the anointing was here to break something off of you. And you're going to see that you're getting over it. And in about two or three days, four days, five days, maybe a week, you're going to look back and go, you know what? I'm doing better. And you're going to get over it. Everybody say, get over it. So let's sing this song and let's believe God for some breakthrough. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy 